You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnick. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Later in the program, we have an excerpt from the May 27th edition of KiteLine, WFHB's public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Voices in the Street, a public opinion poll in the streets of Bloomington, produced by WFHB's Youth Radio. But first, your local headlines. At the Ellettsville Town Council meeting on May 23rd, attorney Darla Brown presented a lease agreement between the town of Ellettsville and Richland Township to allow HealthNet to use Marcy Lane Lewis Park for a mobile clinic. So this was discussed um, briefly at uh, a council meeting two or three meetings ago, but essentially uh, the Richland Township trustee has made arrangements with HealthNet to have a mobile um, medical service provider come to the uh, one of the town's parks, and it's my understanding that um, the township trustee has had a conversation with uh, Jimmy Dernal about the particulars, you know, dates and times and days of the week and that kind of thing. And so this, what bef- what is before the council tonight is just an addendum to the lease agreement between Richland Township and the town with regard to the parks. Clerk Treasurer Sandra Hash expressed concern that there were not a lot of details yet. Brown responded saying that they discussed at a previous meeting how Police Chief Jimmy Dernell and the Street Department could get involved to work out the details. Well, that's true, but I thought, if I didn't misunderstand, I thought at one of the meetings that we, uh, which the council talked about this, I think Scott Oldham had suggested that Jimmy Dernell work out the details and then... If, you know, the street department or whatever needed to get involved, they could. The council voted unanimously to approve the lease to allow HealthNet to use Mary Lane Lewis Park for a mobile clinic. The next council meeting will be held on June 6th. Up next, we have an excerpt from the May 27th edition of KiteLine, WFHB's public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. We turn now to a segment from The Problem of Politicization. This week, we return to our conversation between Baye Sylvester and Focus Initiative's Jacques Huerta. Both formerly incarcerated in Indiana, they described the circumstances that brought them to prison in a previous episode. In this segment, they talk about the way that the prison system responds to politically engaged prisoners. When prisoners become conscious and organized, the prison ramps up the level of repression. 
As you'll hear Baye and Jacques discuss, prisoners who educate themselves are viewed as a threat to the system that confines them. The political education process had begun. Right. You know, and that opened up a whole new thing. And that got me to really seeing where I was at, Mm -hmm. the nature of where I was at, what it was an extension of. And so the the lockups, the lockdowns, the tie downs, being subjected to the, you know, psychotropic drugs, all that began to take place cycle as an in in an attempt to quell that being politicized, uh, you know, shaking loose that colonial mentality, that criminal mentality. I couldn't wear it no more. But that put me in opposition to what they expected me to be in the prison. And that was just be be lumping, you know, pray on one another. Right. You know, you you said that, um, you know, you you found it revealing that once you got there and started talking to those brothers locked up in the same situation with you, that uh, they come from very similar backgrounds you know, kind of the Mm -hmm. same that you shared. Same way with me, you Mm -hmm. know, because I come from that directly same, basically the same type of background from impoverished conditions in Louisiana Mm -hmm. to Gary, Indiana, and then uh, my parents falling out, Mm -hmm. you know, and and even before they fell out, they had fell out in the home, you Mm -hmm. know, and then busy working and as a kid, you don't want to be in the way. You don't want to be a burden. You're trying to uh, relieve a little bit of pressure, relieve a little bit of stress. You think you're doing something good, you know, but really you're putting yourself directly in harm's way mm-hmm. and you're complicating the situation. But without that life experience that you mentioned earlier, you know, what better conclusion could you come to, you know? And on the other side of that, on this side, like the people that I've spoken with on this uh, Prisoner Speak series have all said the same thing, basically, that you're saying about once you get into the system and if you choose the high road to educate yourself, to be politicized, to understand how these societal dynamics actually take place, mm-hmm. and how it can have a powerfully negative effect in people's lives, you know, so you don't want to do criminal acts. You don't want to, you know, because you see how you've been duped and, and kind of pushed into the corner to react. So you try to reinvent yourself mm-hmm. with these new informations that you've learned to expand in your horizons. And then now they consider you even more of an enemy, <laughs> you know, yeah, because you figured out the tricks. You know, now they consider you even more hostile than you would just being some violent offender, violent criminal. You know, now you're at the top of the list, sure. which is amazing. That that in and of itself, you hear so much in the news about someone being arrested, and then they want to put their criminal history in there, and they say, well, this person is a four or five time loser, or you find out that someone has been to prison three or four times, they only have a GED, or they have other unresolved issues that wasn't addressed while they was down. And so the the taxpayers need to revolt and say, look, we're not getting a return on our dollar, first of all, because they're being hoodwinked, bamboozled, and so so on and so forth. Because the prison system, you know, it's not designed to elevate anyone. It's designed to break your will, you know, and to just confine your misdeeds. 
You know, the misdeeds can go on in there as long as they aren't about raising the level of consciousness, as long as they're not, you're not addressing the fact that, wait a minute, I'm going to file a grievance about this, that, and the other. And I know several other people have filed these grievances. That means that what's going on is systemic. It's systemic. They don't want that. They don't want you addressing that. And so that's where when you start politicizing yourself, you start educating yourself, now you become a problem. Now you become a problem. You have people within the Department of Correction who have murdered, who have raped. I'm talking about why they're there. And they are not given the designation of, well, you're being put on administrative segregation. You're going to be put on this wheel where you're going to be in this prison for so long, that prison. And now it's to the point where they have that interstate compact. They even send you out of state. Wow. And say that you are a threat to the security institution. But you have these others in there who are still operating out of their baseness. They're not being treated like that. So that's 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 political persecution. Exactly. That's political persecution. And and, and what it's the same thing out here, you know, in the streets. If someone is challenging the uh, the, the city government or saying that look, these policies and these codes are, are corrupt and that they're um not speaking to the needs of the people, then you become a problem. Okay? It's the same way as that, because they don't want you to educate other individuals because if there is uh, um, oppression, then it needs to be resistance. The same out here. You can't uh, say, you know, that, okay, I'm not an oppressor. I don't oppress anyone, but you're not speaking out against those who are, or you are walking, hey, you having lunch every day, and you partying with these people. Because for me, that's giving tacit approval. And if you're not part of the solution or working toward the solution, then you're part of the problem. You know, and I I might say, well, okay, I'm going to file a 1983 civil rights lawsuit, whether I'm inside or outside. But other folks who have been so broken, so so beaten down, they also have a right to say, you know what? I'm going to meet it where it comes to me at. Mm -hmm. And that's what you find. People like to think that. Well, there is no political prisoners, but if the if the if if it's not enough money, if you know that in what's your zip code? In four six two zero one, we got seven hundred prisoners coming back to that zip code every year, but the city and the state will not appropriate money in that particular area to address the needs of that community. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's, a That's problem. political. Problem. You see what I'm saying? Because and you so, know the problems are there. Exactly. Yeah. And so consciousness in prison is, is something that, and we would tell individuals, we had an African studies class in there. It was directed toward, and a lot of Latino brothers came in there too. It was about this here. We want you to understand the dynamics of what's going on in your neighborhood. We want you to understand that the, the behavior that you depicted in your neighborhood against people that look like you is because that was the confines of your, of your environment. But if you don't do nothing else, we don't want you to go out here and pray on those individuals who have nothing to do with your depravity, the fact that you are oppressed, and so on and so forth. But see, the system will criminalize struggle. Right. They were criminalized struggle. Just like in, in the late 60s, under J. Edgar Hoover, they came up with COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program. Mm-hmm. And that they, they said that the Black Panther Party was the number one threat to the internal security of the United States government. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that came all types of agent provocateurs being 
you know, snuck in, right. you know, and so on and so forth. To infiltrate, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they, they changed the language. But with the struggle that's been going on for the last few years, led by the youth, the conscious youth, just like it was then, you know, they said, well, these folks are, they, they use different language, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But now you have Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, and and they have taken over the same uh, um, intention as the COINTELPRO program. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's really more diabolical now because they have much more technology, mm-hmm. you know. More and insidious so, in their tactics. Right. Yeah. And so, but but what has happened, even in, in our own in oppressed communities, oppression has been normalized. Mm-hmm. You know, you have so many people who are of the opinion that I got to get mine, you got to get yours by any means necessary. And they don't understand until it's too late, until it's too late that we have to have tactics. We need to hold political education classes and have them on every street corner like they got liquor stores right now. That's what we need. We need to be educating folks. And I'm talking about across the board. You have, I'm sitting in this Maui Law School right now, and there's people in this room and on these Zooms who are going to be in positions of power. Because when you are uh, licensed by the bar and you have the ability to go in and represent or to prosecute, whether it's in civil court or criminal court, that's a position of power. And so you have to decide, you know, okay, where am I at with what I'm doing? You know, in pursuit of paying off my student loans and trying to meet the expectations of family, friends, and so on and so forth, do I just pass the thing along or do I stand on conscience? Do I stand on what's, you know, on what's right? Good decision right there. Yeah, it's a hard decision. Hard decision. It's a hard decision because many of us like to think, well, that's not affecting me. That's not my problem until it becomes your problem. KiteLine airs at 5.30 p.m. each Monday. To listen to the full program and all previous editions of KiteLine, visit wfhb.org or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, WFHB's Youth Radio took to the streets to ask Bloomington residents about the U.S. Supreme Court's draft leak over Roe versus Wade. On May 3rd, 2022, a draft of the Supreme Court's latest ruling on Roe versus Wade was leaked to the public. The ruling, which plans to overturn Roe v. Wade, sparked outrage among the populace here in Bloomington. We took to the streets to ask local residents, have you heard the recent news of Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned? How do you feel about it? It's just really unsettling and discomforting to know that like, that right could be taken away. And also, it just doesn't really make any sense and it's confusing how we're going back in time right now. I feel disgusted. I feel like a woman should have a choice over their own body, especially if they're the ones carrying it. It's kind of important to have choice of your own damn body. I'm shocked, honestly. That's what I think. I'm like, who is in, like, the Senate? I'm thinking, like, what kind of people are these deciding? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's deeply upsetting. Yeah, I don't like it. As (laughs) a female and a human. If they can take that away from us, what else can they take? 
I was like kind of like scared for other people because like if they were to get rid of Roe versus Wade, they would come after like LGBTQ rights. We're going backwards in we our rights. Like rights over our bodies and it shouldn't be a government opinion. Everyone's pro-life until it comes to the actual like raising of a human being. Men have absolutely no control over women. How do you think this will affect midterm elections? I think people are confused how a Democratic Party ended up making this decision. I think people will probably show up for the Democrats more than they were planning on it. That's fair, yeah. I'm Absolutely. not sure if it'll make a difference, though. In a sense of, like, how polarized things are, things aren't going to change. I think people are finally beginning to, like, change their minds a little bit. The tides are turning that even conservatives are less pro-life than they used to be. I'm kind of scared, you know. I'm just, like, also scared because we don't know what the future holds for women and yeah. other minorities. I feel like for the first time in history, a lot of people are against the Republican Party and their views. Maybe that's just me being biased. I think a lot of people vote based on Republican or Democrat, and not many people look into what these people support. I have a lot of problems with the idea of just vote it out. Just vote, vote, vote. Like, if we voted more, this wouldn't have happened. I don't think voting is really the way to fix any of this. While it is important to vote, I don't think it's going to fix the broader problem in our system. I would like to think Probably. that in a positive light that it would encourage more people to be more active with their voting power because that's how these types of things get changed. We still have a lot of, of the old generation that thinks this way and they very well may put their thoughts out there before we can, before the younger generation can, and I think that they may win just because younger generations don't vote as much as they should. Like, it's not just like women's rights or abortion rights. It's like you leave it up to the state to decide like all other things. So they would also decide whether like the LGBTQ people like get rights or like other minority communities. And like some of like the rules that have been put in place could also be overturned because now it's like up to every state rather than like the federal government. How do you think the draft being leaked will influence the justices' opinions moving forward? I don't think it'll change much. Seems like most of their minds are made up. They might change their opinions in the official like report if they do anything, since they saw that people are already protesting for it, even though it hasn't been official. Because obviously they don't really care about people's opinions at this point. I think they'll try and cover their butts a lot in coming back on what they say. I really don't understand how this is an issue that's being ruled on when gun violence in high schools and elementary schools and just primary schools in general has not had any legislation or ruling from the Supreme Court since Columbine. I think that there's like a loss of trust from the public right now. People's opinions, I think like, if they don't get to like the majority of like Senate seats, I feel like no matter what we think, like it's not gonna affect anything. So it's really like the, the system is so rigid that you have to actually be, like those opinions have to be reflected in the system for any change to happen. Especially after seeing the reaction that it's getting, I think they're definitely going to see that and react off of their reaction. I mean, yeah. that's what most politicians do anyways. So. But I don't think they're going to be like, what? Everyone's mad? Just kidding. They're going to probably be more secretive now. I don't know that the public pressure will do anything. Yeah. I feel like it won't. There's already like being movements and rallies for yeah. it already, and it's not even confirmed for right. like the draft. But yeah, like, it definitely has an impact on it. They're picketing outside of the, the buildings and stuff. It seems like it's gonna be dangerous for them to keep it that way. You have like a life term appointment, and the only reason they're worried about it getting leaked is because like, I don't think justices have security 
So like, there's worried about the potential of people assassinating him or whatever. Maybe don't make bad rulings, and you wouldn't have the potential yeah. to get assassinated. Um, Definitely gives them like public pressure. To I mean, yeah, obviously, we've made it known—not us, but like women and people—have made it known that this is really upsetting and wrong. So hopefully, like that makes them feel more pressured to make the right decisions. They use their freedom of speech to express to the public. I mean, they freedom of press. They went to the press. What else are they supposed to do? I'm not even sure. Like, I trust the system. Do you think incoming candidates will base their platform around reproductive rights more than before? If they feel like Americans feel so strongly about this, no matter what side you're on, they're going to base majority of their campaign on it. That goes for, like, gay marriage and stuff like that as well. It's going to probably be a deal-breaker for them if they support it or don't support it for a lot of people. I definitely think they'll talk about it more. More yeah, than I have, for sure. I saw like a lot of think pieces that were like conservatives against what's happening with the leaked opinion and everything. Those like left or leaning Republicans, I think, are going to get more vocal as well as the more conservative ones. Yeah, just on different sides. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think maybe just a little bit. I don't, I don't see much changing in that sense. I mean, it's been a platforming position for like ever. Both sides want to use it as their own little like loop in to get people to vote for them. The Republican Party, if you actually look at how long it took them to change Roe versus Wade, they really were hanging on to the idea that they're going to fix it or like in their mind fix it for their constituents because it's what got people to turn out to vote. They only took action when they had like, I guess, overwhelming majority in the Supreme Court. Incoming politicians are probably going to talk more about abortion and Roe versus Wade since they might want to get more vote either to stop it or to still have Roe v. Wade. I think it's going to be emphasized as an issue that's like a cause for concern right now. So that's probably going to be more discussed now. Do you think the opinions of the Supreme Court justices reflect the opinions of the general population? Not at the moment. That's because like I haven't heard like <clears throat> any one person like speak for it, you know? Absolutely not. The majority of them are on one side. And I know that this country is divided. And so they don't give actual voting Americans any chance. I don't think that it reflects the opinion of, of the population. Because I've seen like a lot of like graphs and like data where it says that more than half of the population is in support of abortion. And it was like 30% that wasn't. So I think the Supreme Court just doesn't represent the majority of the people in this country. We don't even vote for Supreme Court justices. We only vote for presidents and we only vote for presidents that could potentially have the opportunity to change a Supreme Court justice because of lifetime appointments. And even then, the presidents that we're electing, we have no say in who they're actually picking as Supreme Court justices. I don't think it reflects opinions of the general public. I just think it reflects like the people who are on the Supreme Court and their personal beliefs, because obviously it's not aligning with the general public right now. Some people might not actually be saying what they actually think, but what they think, like, you know, you know, everyone's going to accept, but then, like, when it's time to vote, they're going to vote what they actually feel is right. So, like, it's really hard to tell who's really, you know, for it, because, like, are they really saying this because they believe it, or they believe that this is what's socially right in the eyes of other people? Considering the, like, outcry I've seen, like, I've seen a lot of people against it, like, men and women speaking out against the overturning of it, but, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who aren't speaking out. I wouldn't say it reflects the majority of people's beliefs. They choose what they want to rule on here and there to 
making people happy. I don't think their decisions reflect the common person almost ever. They're out of date. Where do you feel the power of decision making towards abortion rights going in the future? Like if the system changes to allow some of this reflection, it might. But currently, I don't think the power lies in the people, you know. That's sad. I don't, I don't think so. I think the fact that this is even a discussion that we're having, like if the power lies in the people, would have like shut it down immediately. But this was like something in the works. Like it had to be leaked for us to even know about it. Imagine if it wasn't. We'd just be shocked like, oh. So I don't think as it is, like the power lies in the people. That's just how this country is. I don't think it should be like in the hands of the judicial system. I think it's not really anyone's decision to make what happens to a woman's body, what she chooses to do. But my hope is, is that is the people that will get to decide in the end. I would hope that this is not something that's going to last very long. I don't think overturning Roe versus Wade is going to stop abortion, though. What it's going to do, if anything, is stop healthy, safe medical abortions. It's going to increase like backdoor, back alley abortions. My mom is conservative but pro-choice, and she said that Roe v. Wade, she thinks it's poorly written, but that Congress should pass a law to make it legal. Yeah. That's an example of one person's opinion. I don't know. I'm much further left than she is. I think maybe after the Supreme Court sees how people are protesting and going to the Capitol, they might give the power back to the people. I don't really think it'll happen, but it could happen. Autonomy-related issues should always be in the favor of public opinion, you know, like, if it's a decision it's about our bodies, about, yeah. then it shouldn't be up to, like, government or politics. It should be up to, like, who it's affecting, you know? It shouldn't be a group of men deciding what I do with my own body. All interviews were conducted by Marty Abetti, edited and produced by Wilder Mouton. This has been Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature of candid, local commentary about our world today. Voices in the Street is a volunteer-powered joint production of our news department and youth radio program here on WFHB, 91.3 98.1 FM, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Hahusky schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Mia Beach. Youth Radio is produced by Walder Muton and Marty Abadi. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and The Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Kate Young. For WFHB, I'm Lucinda Larnock. And I'm Benedict Jones. 
Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 